This is Future Steve with a quick note. This episode was recorded live on the One Stop Co-op Shop streamed YouTube channel, where we are keeping our live content. Unfortunately, we did experience some audio quality difficulties with trying to record live on the other side of the world. In any case, I hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop. I'm here with a special guest, Matthew from Platypus Industries. Hey, Matthew. Hi, Steve. Hi, everybody. Welcome. And welcome to our first live interview on YouTube. So you're our guinea pig. And guinea pig uh, halfway around the world, too. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's... Is it Quokka, then? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there you go. I like it. Nice, nice. Yeah, we thought we'd get together and talk about an upcoming game that, if you followed some of our content in the past, uh, that Platypus Industry Matthew designed, uh, The Ratcatcher. It is a game that I enjoyed immensely. That was really, really fun. It's one of those rare demo games I didn't want to send on. <laughs> I enjoyed that much. So I'm looking forward to getting the actual production copy uh, early this year. And so we're going to talk about that, but we're also going to talk about what it's like to wear all the hats when designing a game, because Matthew has basically been a one-man wrecking crew, so <laughs> should be a fun time. Lots of not sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> and we are streaming, what, 16 hours apart? So there are going to be some uh, interesting connections and, and uh, maybe some quality going on here, but we'll, we'll try to keep it up for you guys, so. In the future, we've solved all those problems, you say. That's right. <laughs> and uh, if you're joining us on the podcast side, we are going to be uh, talking through things so you can follow us that way. But because we also stream on YouTube live, uh, and this is on our One Stop Co Shop stream channel. So join us there. But first, I'd like to thank our Patreon supporters this week. This week, I'd like to thank Clint Cabrera, a co op champion. Crescentia, a co-op fan, and Rhinex, a co-op MVP. Thanks to you, Patreon supporters, and everyone who will help support the one-stop co-op job. Okay, let's dive into it. Matthew, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get into gaming, and yeah, what what type of games do you like? <laughs> well, like most gamers, I've been a gamer all my life. <laughs> Since the tender age of seven or eight, I loved playing things like HeroQuest. Uh, in the early days, showing my age now. Um, but um, been mainly a war gamer most of my life, actually. A big love for toy soldiers and lots of paints. For many, many moons of Warhammer and Privateer Press's War Machine and everything. And then, yeah, probably a little bit later, coming back to board games again in the modern era. Nice, nice. So do you play, because we're uh, focused on the solo and cooperative aspects of it, do you also play, can you play a mixture of competitive and solo and co-op, or... Do you, do you focus on one versus the other? No, no. I play just about anything, really. I'm not too fast. Um, though lately, yeah, I think I've been probably about two years of really hard solo, gathering everything and playing everything. <laughs> to, I guess just enter more into the design toolbox. But, yeah, I do really enjoy just sit down and play what you want to play and the way you like playing it. So you mean by from the solo aspect, you like just – tweaking the rules of a solo game to see what happens is that what you're trying to say or what, what do you mean by uh playing the way you like to want to like to want to play 
when you're playing cooperative or anything, there's always that team aspect. Oh, we should go this way, even though you might want to go the other way. Or if you want to play more thematically, it may not get you the win, but it may be more just fun to, you know, go and be the barbarian and charge into the room, not thinking too much about the consequences of it, rather than, yeah, your team's mates are probably going to uh, advise against such behaviors. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. How did you get involved in creating board games? Get started, I guess. What what drove that that desire? Uh, I don't know. I'm a graphic designer when I'm not anywhere near board games, but I enjoy yeah trying to improve and things. So I think it started like most designers, where you start tweaking this and house ruling that, and then you're just like, oh hold on, why don't they have a game about this? <laughs> and you search around, and of course you never find that game. Like, well, why don't I just make said game? And yep, sadly, that led down this dark path. And so, like we said before, you've started creating uh, this game called The Ratcatcher. This is your first game design, am I correct on that? No, this is game number three. Game number three, oh. But this is the first one to go to market, gotcha. yes. We're revisiting game number two with the next release, but game number one needs to wait a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess for those who may not be familiar with The Ratcatcher... Would you mind describing the game and what it's about? Yeah, so the Ratcatcher is a solo adventure game in which you play as the unlikely hero that is the Ratcatcher in the city of Bree. Your normal day-to-day job has just got a little bit more exciting with the invention of magical cheese. Magical cheese does everything you could ever want a block of cheese to do, but it does do one extra thing, and that's attract every single rodent within earshot or literally globally. So the city that you once protected against a minor number of rodents is now inundated with normal rodents, but also some that have been eating magic cheese and have become a little bit harder to deal with. Yeah, and so this is, like you said, it's a solo-only game. Yep. There are basically two ways of winning, and honestly, two ways of losing, if I remember correctly. Two ways of winning meaning yep. um, if you get to 10 magical cheese, you win, or if you defeat the big boss rat, you win. And then... If yep. you lose by the flip side, if the rats take you out, you go down to zero health, or if the rats themselves get to 10 cheese. Is that correct? Yep. It's a race for the good stuff. Race for the good stuff. Yes. Yes. So this is a very interesting theme. I felt like it was uh, pretty unique. So I'm curious, like, what inspired you to produce a game with this theme? <laughs> it is an odd start, as people will find out more and more as we release more games they'll find that the themes are all a little bit more unusual, I guess. Uh, I think it's the challenge of trying to be different. I mean, everyone doesn't want another orc game or another spaceship game that's just the same as everyone else's. Um, and Ratcatcher started out as a kid's game, so it was just going to be like little junior rat catchers sort of going around bopping rats on the head, like carnival style with rubber mallets sort of thing. And, yeah, just as it got a little bit more research into rat catchers and things and found out some of the old history behind them and found quite interesting characters um i figured why couldn't there just be a whole universe based around these unique individuals yeah that's cool started with you said that there's some history behind it so was this based in real history you're talking about like maybe some more fantasy lore did you pull from both what are you talking about? It's a little bit of both, definitely. Like, the magical cheese is uh, far from true, sadly. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Save a lot of the world's woes. Some of the rat catchers have historical grounds. Uh, Miss Black, for example, who's one of the main first characters most people will come across. Um, Miss Black is just a gender swap. One of the first royal 
rat catchers in England, Mr. Black. And so you took a concept from the, the Mr. Black reference, and I, if, you, if people are watching on YouTube, I did pull up some of your, your sketch work. So when, when you approach game design and you're doing this research, I know you've got a lot of sketches. I'll try to pull them up as we're discussing it. But how do these sketches help you in, in your process of designing the game? Oh, it's a really unusual combination of a bit of back and forth. Sometimes a character doesn't feel quite real on a table, for me at least, until I can see what they are, what they're carrying, you know, how they hold themselves. All that gives each character a little bit of a unique spin. And I'm a theme-first designer, so I, I really, you know, someone's a certain look or a certain personality, I really want that to come across in the rules. I don't want it to just be vanilla character A, B, C, and D, and they're different because the rules said so. I want the rules and the art and the story all to sort of mesh together so you really do feel like when you pick a character, you really are representing them within that little universe, within that little time frame on the tabletop. You want to have the theme come first, right? So... So how do you make that distinction? If you are designing a character and you wanted, you have this, this concept in mind from how it should work thematically, how do you make the distinction that, yes, this is not good enough or, yes, this, this is fine? Like, how, what are your criteria for determining that? Uh, it's a hard... Uh, sometimes it'll hit the table and it just won't work. Like, it's, they'll be overpowered, they'll be underpowered the ability you want them to have. The Pied Piper went through a few renditions of trying to get his music to work, wanting him to feel like he's really playing that flute and enchanting the creatures around him. And a lot of the renditions of him just, they didn't come across. We knew, I knew what I wanted the character to be. And so the rules had to bend to allow him to be that way. Interesting. So you're just saying that the you had to adjust the rules to based upon what you wanted to work thematically. And so I'm curious, like if you were designing a character, were there some characters that just didn't quite match the way you want thematically? You kind of scrapped them or were you able to manipulate the, the rule set or the foundation around them to achieve that, that thematic feeling you were just you're aiming for? Yeah, sometimes they're, they're easily adaptable and you can bring them and bend them back into to place. Um, but I usually start out with a lot more characters than I need as well. So I think I've got. I think I started out with about ten rat catches, and yeah, some just didn't make the cut at the moment. They just either didn't bend back in, or maybe the rules that do make them work, ready to be in part of the core set. They might need an expansion to add something little, or they might be a little bit too complicated for a core game and need to be something that a more experienced player can use to extend their skills or to challenge them in a different way. I know there's two characters that are planned for the next set that would have made the first cut um, and didn't, and there was one of the nemesis as well that happened in that way. So a little, little spoiler to people uh, watching or listening that uh, more rat catcher to come? Is that, that what we're saying? Always. More rat catcher. More, more rat catcher, yes. Yes, excellent. Yes. It's such a fun universe. Yeah, it's it's it really is with the magic. It's games. very it's very unique and very interesting approach to it. I I enjoyed it. and it uh, it's fun seeing your specific art style kind of bring that. I know I don't I get a feeling there's like this kind of a grungy you know I don't know old school world bring it to life. So it's it's fun. Yeah, it's a dirty world. It's a dirty job. Like rat catchers aren't you know the high court or anything right. like that. <laughs> That's right. 
and they don't even know what to do with the current fame. Like that's something you'll learn in the in the expanding of the universe. Is yeah, they do struggle a bit these rat catchers with the idea of becoming heroes. <laughs> well, I'm excited to see what comes next then, uh, for sure. So I, it's always nice to hear too that uh, when talking with designers, they they love what they've produced and they're they're interested in just flushing out, expanding it out more. It's uh, always a great thing to hear. Uh, it's one of those universes that you could just go on and on and on with, really. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, though, with uh, the Racketeer. Racketeer is a solo-only board game, so I'm curious, why solo-only? Oh, that one started... You can blame the Game Crafter for that one. <laughs> game Crafter had a solo competition, and I was in between working on, on some other projects. And my co-designer, who I was working on the project at the time, was too busy to keep watching board projects. Me and my work ethic said, I need to be doing something, need to do something productive. What have I got in my grab bag of could, uh, rats back on, uh, got pulled up and within 30 days was a flash out game into the Game Crafter solo competition at the time. What was your experience with using Game Crafter? Is it, I mean, this is not a path that everyone takes when getting into it. Did, did you enjoy using that system? And I guess... Maybe to our viewers or listeners who are not familiar with GameCrafter, maybe we can talk about what what is that. I've ventured on there in the past, and and there's a lot of interest. It's a really interesting tool actually that you can create a game out there and kind of leverage it to help supply the components and kind of help. It's, it's almost like a how I view it as an outsider, like a build to order type type game design system. Meaning that, like, if I need uh, some dice, if I need to have this type, this cards, it, it they will produce that for me in this in this package format. Is that how, is that your experience, Matthew? Yep. And you can get literally just one of something, which is great when you're prototyping. Oh, because a lot of the other websites or anything to do with production would never let you just do a minimum of one or even ten. <laughs> interesting so you can choose just to do if you want to try something at home you can just get one of a die that you, a specific dice you wanted or a card right because yep. I, that's yep. nice that's really nice because i know in other sites generally you have to a base quantity order you have to go with if you want to get something more pro yep. pro professionally made so oh that's something i didn't know about no they're handy i don't use them that much anymore because i have a more localized company that I used and they use the metric measurement system which is much much easier for me. So Ratcatcher started on GameCrafter as, yep. as a game you could have ordered through there and I guess no you could not order. order okay gotcha it was done just for the competition. Just for competition gotcha and so then it was just for the competition and then and then based upon the competition, did you decide that, you know what, I think something's here, I want to take it take it to the next level. Is that correct? Or how, how, what, what happened from that competition? Yeah, um, well, it allowed you to sort of get some feedback. So it was all ranked and everything like that, and you got finalized, and you end up going through um, different rounds, you know, gameplay feedback, ruling feedback stuff. And it was really the first chance I'd had to get uh, the blind playtesting. So you had people who literally knew nothing about you, nothing about your game, um, came and played it. And so to get there on was fantastic. So you got their the feedback from these blind playtesters, and then I'm guessing you got some positive feedback, and from there you decided that you know that there was something here, and you wanted to to produce it. Yeah. So the rat catcher ended up as one of the finalists. So I ended up in the top three, and yeah, that, I guess that was validation that the idea was more than just 
you know, a good idea in my head uh, and might have actual clout and be worth following a little bit further. And yeah, from there I did start following it up. Um, soon afterwards we had a local convention. We have the PAX convention here in Melbourne. And so, yeah, it was getting it ready for PAX and uh, getting it let loose on some more wildies and uh, got really good feedback again. And so set the ball rolling. And so you created Platypus Industries to help with this process. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. And I'm curious, why did you decide to create your own publishing company to to fabricate uh, the racketry? Why not go with other solutions or, or, or maybe, maybe you did and maybe you decided in the end Platypus Industries was the proper path? <laughs> it is a tricky one. Um, I mean, it, it's the easy part in some ways, I guess, to to pitch to publishers and to give them the opportunity to do a lot of the legwork in the in the end of the game. And yeah, you sort of could just walk away and stay as a designer, as a happy little designer, and keep really focused on the design of the game. Um, but I'm a really altruistic sort of person. I love learning new skills, and I love a good challenge. And to be honest, I don't know if Ratcatcher would have really caught a lot of publishers' eyes because it is a little bit different. The solo only idea of it the the really odd theme of it as well i've got a feeling that uh, a lot of publishers may have wanted to really uh rejig the theme a bit and i don't know what it would have come out as maybe a little bit better maybe a little bit different who knows it'll never happen <laughs> and so did you find it particularly difficult to create your own publishing company from scratch or or was that how, how did that compare to the trying to get the design of racket going in the first place uh, it's a very different aspect, the business side of it. It's no stranger to me. I used to run a local gaming store as well. So I'm no stranger to running a business at the least. But it, it does take a lot of your time away from the designing and everything else. You you really have to put the business hat on and you're making decisions that aren't you know best for gameplay or best for components and things like that as you, you tussle with budgets and packaging sizes and you know what what's marketable and all that sort of jazz as well so it's a it's a odd to wear all the hats because you almost get in arguments with yourself about <laughs> but i want the pretty option the pretty option is too expensive you're not allowed to have the pretty option <laughs> yeah with your experience of running a game shop you've, you i'm guessing you saw all the really nice components and what you wanted the racketry to be and so did you have to make some compromises along that route there's always compromises um but i think uh, Kickstarter really allows you to do a few things that you may not have, thanks to stretch goals. You can always go in with this is the base model, this is the affordable, uh, budget-friendly model. Um, if we can, you know, sneak a little bit further, we might be able to add in a few of the the glossy finishes. And if you can really uh, get out of control, you could uh, add all the pretty shiny things you've always wanted for Christmas. You created this. This game company, this publishing company, and you had this concept started from Game Crafter, and then you started getting to the actual design of it itself. How does your pro? How's your process when it comes to board game design? You talked about you like theme as a as a driving force, but what going with a base concept? Do you do you lay out like here's here's the thematic experience I want and and then start laying out maybe the the flow of the game or the turn structure. Where do you start? Yeah, it's a tricky thing to so it's what sort of experience do you want players to have? Like, 
okay, they're going to be a rat catcher. What perspective are we going to go from? Are we going to play as the whole guild and manage the guild as it goes around, like work a placement style thing? Or are you going to get really down and gritty and like one-to-one rat it out, and you know, almost like a first-person shooter sort of style thing? Or do you find somewhere in the middle or do you make it more puzzly like a Zelda style thing where I've got to unlock things and do little quests and there's lots of options and you, you just got to play a lot of it out. Like you just don't think they're bad ideas. Um, they're all good ideas. It's just what's going to work best and what's going to work within the the frame that you want the game to play. And do you, do you want it to be one of those epic six hour long game adventures where you're just grinding out through the entire city or do you want something really quick? Do you want like a 15-minute almost, you know, casual-style filler game where you just, you know, bopping some rats and, you know, having some fun? Or like where I really aim for was something in between. I want it to be something where you, you get a bit of meat in it, but you're not investing too sure, much. Sure, sure. Yeah, it was, um, it was fun playing the racket with all the spawns of rats. And I have a playthrough of the, the demo on One Stop Co-op Shop channel. If you guys want to check it out there and... I will certainly be doing more plays whenever my copy arrives, uh, for sure. Um, I'll be doing some live plays too. Not too long, Steve. Yeah, too not long. too long. <laughs> I guess real quick, just so people who don't know, um, what's your current uh, timetable when you think this might uh, arrive that people can start seeing the actual production copies? Uh, so production copies are literally in the final stages of assembly and packing at the moment in China. But as I think a lot of people would be aware of at the moment, China's been... A tricky place to get things out of at the moment it's not so much anything else so just like a lot of companies all sort of sitting and waiting in line trying to get into containers and just cost for can read so we can get everything to the tabletops as quick as possible just like you guys i don't want to wait any longer than i have to as well i've been dying to get my production copy <laughs> absolutely yeah it's a it's been a tricky situation with uh i know we talked about this on the recent uh, news news chat talking about the implications of covid and like the the shipping containers on how you know this is kind of a an issue with the the manpower like we have shipping containers arriving at factories but they're not being picked up as quickly as they have in the past and so like stock is building up and like what do you do with the stock and and can now having trouble finding space on this the the ships themselves with these containers and it's a yeah it, this is going to be a, a these delays are going to be an issue for for the foreseeable future for sure it's going to take a while to yeah, indeed, it's going to be an issue for a little bit longer, but it's nothing any of us could have foreseen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and I mean, the games will come eventually, right? We just don't know exactly when, but this one is. Yeah, if I have, right. to, if I have to swim over to China and get them, they're <laughs> exactly. coming. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we talked about the process. We talked about creating the publisher. Um, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced when designing the Ratcatcher? There's different arms of challenge after doing everything yourself. <laughs> one was uh, doing a whole campaign and creating a game on a shoestring budget <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know a lot of uh people out there are used to, uh used to the big companies out there flashing uh quite impressive kickstarter campaigns out there videos miniatures and everything like that it's a a small hometown publisher uh working out of my studio at home uh that's quite intimidating oh, okay. <laughs> to be uh planning a kickstarter and um, I've said it years ago when we were designing some other games, um, I can guarantee you whenever I launch my game on Kickstarter, there'll be a cool mini campaign literally on top of me. And uh, within days after Ratcatcher launching, Ankh um, hit the, <laughs> hit the um, Kickstarter front in a, like a tidal wave. But uh, thankfully, 
we still I still did pretty well for myself, so I definitely not complain. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy launching the same game as everyone else, you know. Exactly. A lot of uh, gamers just wouldn't understand that three dungeon crawls are different games. Like they just see the title, that clar- the classification, they are all dungeon crawlers. Right. Sadly, it comes down to one's going to be the best and one's going to be the cheapest. So people are going to back one of those two. If you're not one of those two, I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so, yeah, we got this ratchet. That was the hardest part is, like, wearing all these hats. Um, I'm curious, like, which hat was the most challenging for you to wear? It's tricky managing. I think one of the ones is probably the um, the artist because the easiest one to palm off and say you'll do it later, you'll do it after the campaign. Um <sighs> It's usually the most casual one. It's it is it is not vital to the timeline as well. It's something that yeah, if I needed to, I could have pushed chunks of the artwork into post campaign and you know done sketches or something like that for some of the stretch goal ideas or maybe forsaken some of the finesse in like three D renders or things like that in the graphic design. But um, yeah, probably the art was the hardest one to manage on top of everything else because it's uh, really unpredictable. You can't sort of sit there and go, oh, this sketch will take exactly two hours. Uh, it usually be two hours plus or minus any interruptions or renditions or oh, I need more research on this or that. Yeah, cool. it's a bit of a round-around uh, time-consuming portal. What are you most proud of when regarding the design and development of the Ratcatcher? Uh, the component finishes. I think uh, the rat catcher, especially uh, where it sits in the marketplace, like time, size of the box wise, price wise, and everything like that, I don't think it can be matched. Like I know it sounds a little bit uh, blowing up my own horn, but uh, the guys at HM, the manufacturers, I think have uh, just gone above and beyond, and the quality of everything in the box, like it doesn't matter, even just the cards, the ins, the plastic jewel laid insert, the I don't think there's anything that hasn't been given the absolute top-notch attention and details that will make it something you'll stop and go oh that feels quite nice <laughs> <laughs> definitely i think that requires a specific call out too because not only did you design this game from this box but you also designed a custom insert for all the components in the box so you won't have to buy a secondhand market or foam core your own insert for, for this game and it's it's all uh, it's all there for you it was designed to be functional also. So the top layer, it's dual layered. So the top layer, literally just you pull out, plonk it on the table. All the tokens and decks and everything you need for the game are just sitting in there, rested, organized for you. And you can use that in and out and it saves you packing up or pulling out. And that's one thing I, I'm a shocker for that. I've got a huge collection of games and there must be a heap on the there. I sit, look and go, I'd love to play that, but I don't have the half an hour to set it up. I just want to play it now. I'll play something easier to set up, or I'll play a lighter game. And yeah, I didn't want Ratcatcher falling in that same hole. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I always feel like storage and organization of board games is its own hobby in itself sometimes. So how do you go about managing all the stuff? <laughs> Almost. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Never understood. I was lucky enough to have one of my backers, actually, uh, who turns out to be another local Melbourneian. Uh, and we worked really hard on making sure that insert's just top-notch. Like, yeah, even if one of the top companies out there, third-party companies, went, oh, we're going to design one for the rat catcher, that they just couldn't make one better. And so you've spent a lot of time with publishing this and designing it. What are your, like, 
biggest takeaways and learnings from your first foray into taking one of your concepts from 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 starting to to actually publishing it? That you can do it. No? <laughs> it's possible, and that you can you can just learn things. I learned so much new software, so many new skills. And just there's so much support out there. Like I, I read all of the blogs that you read for setting up Kickstarters. I've read this and that videos. I've talked to so many great people in the community who've given me great advice for building support, even in the background. It's phenomenal. You really can give it a shot. Like what's the thing that can happen? Like you're on a shooting budget. That was the other thing is I could I could just do it all and see how it went. I wasn't gonna you know, leave myself in the red or anything like that by failing. Worst comes to worst, we redo. Uh, one question that came up on YouTube from Holm, he was asking, us, asking you, what are your plans for these new games in the Ratcatcher universe? Like, are you going to be able to manage something like a guild, he's asking? Uh, so in the next expansion, which is planned, um, so at the moment it stands as a standalone expansion, so you won't need the course set. This may change. <laughs> You'll play as a team of rat catchers taking on a bigger threat. So the nemesis rats you find are not the highest threat in the Ooh, food chain. Spoilers. And so you'll need to team up together. <laughs> so it, am I understanding this correctly that this solo game, solo only game, is likely to become a cooperative experience? Yeah. At, at the moment, I'm working to make sure that the rat catchers will work across both. So if you wanted to play a solo, it's like solo freeform where the dual player will be far more story-based, quest-based, set, um, scenario-style play. Yeah, I'm excited to see more of this. I think it's a fascinating world, and um, the, the game is fun, too. I know we haven't talked a whole lot about, about the game itself, in case you're not familiar with it, but it's the fact that you have you play a specific rat catcher, and as you collect this mag magical cheese, you get to level up. So you get to choose all sorts of abilities and character stat upgrades, and that's really fun to say, oh, cool, I've got this this base character with some different abilities, which which way do I want to build this time? On the flip side, the rats also get to level up. <laughs> so it's kind of this race of who's leveling up faster, right, to, to win the game. It becomes quite fun. So more content coming out for the rat catcher in the future. But I believe you have some yep. other games in the works that are coming out as well. Uh, would you like to talk about any of those? Yeah, so I've literally just this week announced in the backers' updates that the next project will be an Australian-themed horror cooperative game where I work cooperative with another designer as well. Matt, who's just going to confuse the hell out of everyone, is going to be Matt and Matt designing this one, um, where you'll get to experience Australia and all its true horror as you face one of our favourite creatures, the Drop Bears. Um, so the Drop Bear projects are going to be a scale-up I'm working with a team this time, so it's not just solo little me doing this one. Um, but it's an exciting project that's going to take Platypus to a new level. And me, being American, I wasn't quite familiar with Drop Bear itself, the concept of it. And I thought it was, it was fun that you're pulling from this lore from Australia. But uh, m maybe we talk about what is a Drop Bear if we haven't heard about this concept. <laughs> so so the, there's a few renditions of Drop Bears. But what I can tell anybody who's not Australian... <laughs> is the drop bears are a horrible mutation of a koala that enjoy human flesh and just drop on people from the gum trees that they dwell in and eat faces off sort of stuff and torment people and really can't be stopped. They're like these super 
creature that just dwells and eats and destroys, you know. I imagine it kind of like a weird, like, almost like a zombie hybrid type, you know, koala, right? Like, it, it just kind of went off the rails. And... You know, the venom goo got in a koala. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes, the venom goo. There you go. I like it. That's a that's an excellent way of describing it. So... <laughs> I thought that was a fun, fun concept. I really, really enjoyed seeing this this very different thing coming out, and it was also cool seeing that it was pulling from some Australian lore. And I'm, I'm curious, like, wh- why did you choose to go that route when you could have made like an orc game, right? Um, can we talk more thoughts about that? Yeah, well, the idea is behind what I was saying before, as well as more unusual concepts. And being an Australian designer. I am sick and tired of not seeing more Australian stuff on the shelves. We tend, we even as Australian designers tend to sort of fall back to laws that are European or American based uh, and don't do enough of our own and really show off why our country is a little bit different, why our cultures are a little bit different and some of the cool stories that we have here that others might not know about or yeah, and will likely find just as interesting as we find the tales from other places. The Drop Bear is the beginning of a series of Australian-themed games that yeah, we get to explore Australia in a different way that uh, might scare a few more people away from uh, visiting. <laughs> I feel like... Just about everything in Australia can kill you, <laughs> from a, from a you know nature wise thing, right? That's like the the fun you know, story yeah. I hear about. <laughs> so it's like a race to kill you. Too. Yeah, that's like, right. They just they wait patiently in line. It's like the Olympics. <laughs> the Olympics. <laughs> Which one's going to get me today? <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah, we talked about the drop bears coming up. Cooperative horror experience. Uh, maybe talk a little bit more about like. Wh- What's the player count? What's the, the 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 time to play? Like, how long do you think it's going to take to play? Any of that type of stuff you're willing to share at this point? Yeah, so the game will play anywhere from one to five players at the moment. It's a hex-based exploration style game um, where the campers, the players, will cooperatively seek to survive until dawn while the drop bears will be working against that and trying to eat as many campers as they can before dawn. Players will win if they can get a certain amount of survivors, uh, a certain amount of survivors in dawn, where the drop bears will win if they can gobble up the right number of uh, campers as well. (laughs) But it's a brutal game, and even the terrain is working against you as you try to survive. (laughs) Nice, nice. This game, I noticed when you're advertising on your website, is part of a, a, a series, a, a, a horror series, I believe you're saying. So I, it sounds like this is going to be one of many games that pull off of some of the, the mechanisms you've developed for Drop Bears? Yeah. So this is the first one in the line. Uh, there's currently three planned at the moment. So the second one's in later stages of development as well. Uh, and they'll have their own little sets of expansions that will sort of suit their ecosystem, their style, or, you know, even some creatures that sort of sit well with it. Um, you'll see something that isn't a drop bear. Boy, I'm looking forward to seeing more about that. I'll wait until the miniatures come. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Speaking of which, that's a that's a good tie-in to how can people learn more about these games? Where can they find you? And, and where, where do I find more information about uh, all the stuff that you and Platypus Industries is producing? Well, Platypus Industries uh, has its own website, so it's usually a good way of keeping up with things. Um, but I'm a prolific social media creature via either our Discord channel or, you know, Facebook, Instagram. But uh, if you really want to get behind the scenes, uh, I'm a shocker on Discord for 
sharing uh, what's on my desk at the, at the time or videos that I get from the factories in China and just about anything. I, I'm very uh, hard to keep down when it comes to sharing information. Definitely. Yeah, it's been great. I, I, I mean, we've been talking quite a bit on the, the Discord server you've created and it's so fun to see some of these behind the scenes shots of the sketches you're doing or it's picture from the factory and, and just the constant flow of communication has been made it really, really fun uh, seeing what's going on behind the scenes. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I enjoyed doing it as well. I, I love having everyone along for the ride. And I know as a backer of many other projects, uh, I get excited as well when I see that sort of stuff. And it um, was one of the things that inspired me to uh, get off my bum and actually do it because, you know, you could see it being done by others. And you're like, oh, it's, it's, it's not just a dream. It's not just something that happens in the darkness and just poof, games appear on game shelves. There's hard work in it, but there's uh, factories that do it and there's professionals you can work with. I... We did have a fun comment come in on YouTube. Uh, Ken was asking, are we going to see swooping magpies? Are they going to feature in the, the horror series? <laughs> so... uh, yeah, you will, you will likely see magpies in. Uh, they're, they're quite a terror. <laughs> <laughs> Any uh, young Australian will tell you about the horrors of uh, walking to school past those little buggers. <laughs> they uh, definitely have a murderous streak. Nice, nice. Yeah, so I'll uh, drop some links to your Discord and the website. And I-, I guess the other question too is, if someone missed out on the Kickstarter, would they be able to acquire a copy of the Ratcatcher and how, how could they do so? Uh, so Ratcatcher pre-orders will be up on the website hopefully in the next week or two. I'm um, just working with uh, logistics trying to get all the websites set up so we can do regional point sale as well rather than just being based in Australia but also through your friendly local gaming stores there's lots of gaming stores who are taking pre-orders at the moment so support the buggers they need it at the moment they've had a rough time through COVID every little dollar counts with those guys a lot of them are mum and pop projects or small business owners for their first time and if you can go down there and really support them, get down there, buy it off the shelf, pick it up from curbside, get it delivered, whatever it counts as, help them out a little bit. I agree with that sentiment. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for everyone who joined us on the YouTube stream live. Uh, we'll be doing more of this stuff in the future. And we'll be also doing other, if you're not familiar, we do more live streams on this channel. And of course, on our other one-stop co-op shop uh, channel too. Those will both be going full support. And like I said, um, I will be covering this game more. I'll be doing a series of plays when I do get the copy, and I'll be sure to share that out when that happens. But, yeah, thanks again, Matthew. I appreciate our time, and uh, we'll see everyone at the uh, next stop. A pleasure. Thanks, man. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. <laughs>